Welcome to Movies. This episode is a continuation of my conversation with Don Jolly, the creator of Dagger Mag and Encyclopedia.Zone. We are discussing the Biko Obayashi's debut feature, House, or Hauzu, as it's probably more commonly known as because there's a terrible 1980s horror film called House and a television series on Fox with Hugh Laurie from about 15 years back, also called House. Not a very inventive title. Anyway, here's our conversation. House. I see in your eyes where tomorrow is hiding in my heart. There's a bell ringing loud at the touch of your lips. Down the rainbow, I'm sliding. Yeah, House is an amazing fucking movie. I mean, and if I you like House. if you like wild, visually inventive violence, I mean that's that's kinda you know, that's the deal with House, right? Is there anything like this movie? Mm. Like house, Any other movie uh, yes. With this type of editing, this type of you know the music uh, that kind of guides the story along. Uh, I laugh really. I, I rewatched it today, and I laugh really hard. Uh, the scene where the girls are going away, and the guys are high fiving them, are actually singing the song that's playing in the background. Yeah, and it's just like a seamless. Just uh, the, the song is playing, and then all of a sudden they're singing it out of nowhere, and I just I don't know. That just cracked me up. So, I mean, there's really nothing exactly like House or a filmmaker that is, I, I would say, comparable to Obayashi. But he did make a film in the mid to late 80s that is not as beloved or as recognized as House. That operates in a very similar fashion. It's based off of, I think, an anime or a manga. It's called The Drifting Classroom. And it is, I, I think it might be a joint production between Japan and the United States. Half the cast speaks in English. They've got some like 1950s uh, well-known actor whose name is probably, uh, you know, it's, it, it's escaped my memory at the moment. And uh, many American students. And it's about this classroom of kids who they wind up getting transported into like an alternate dimension where there's sand dunes and it feels very i don't i, I don't know it, but it's the closest thing i can say to any kind of companion uh to house and they operate with the the blue screen and you know it's it's just as like poorly done like you see little particles around people's heads and stuff <laughs> still which is great it's uh, got its own charm to it and I don't know. His his filmography as a whole is so bizarre. Every single one of his movies is visually inventive. And for the time, I think House was definitely the first movie to employ such tactics. Uh, the thing about House that I find kind of funny is Toho wanted their version of Jaws 
Jaws was a massive success in the United States. So they were like, all right, we're going to bring in this commercial director. He's got, he's got this idea for a haunted house movie. Okay, this is going to be our Jaws. And he, <laughs> delivered, he delivered house. And they had a panic attack. They went into a meltdown. And they considered pulling the movie or reshooting the movie, but there was already so much money that was put into that and, you know, the advertising budget that they just went with it. But it wound up being a hit. Better than Jaws. Better yeah, than better Jaws. Better than Jaws, That's... for sure. <laughs> better than Jaws. I've seen it more times, so if you ask me. Yeah, Jaws is three and a half hours. It's a boat. There's waves. I mean, what, what do we need to know about Jaws? House. I can watch that eight there's times no... in a day. Yeah. yeah. There's no women in Jaws, is there? There's, um, there's women. There's the, a, the, the first the one. Beginning? Yeah, the girl who gets Drugs. eaten. Yeah, I think Roy Schneider has a has a wife. I don't know. Honestly, I it's been years since I've seen Jaws, and I could kind of give a shit. Um, yeah, fuck Jaws. Yeah, fuck Jaws. <laughs> Watch House. House is better than Jaws. Is the piano? The piano eats people, right? Piano's yeah, scarier yeah. than sharks. You know for sure. If Roy Schneider's wife comes back for Jaws: The Revenge with Michael Caine. Because the shark somehow... Oh, my God. I, I haven't seen that. Is that a good movie? I, I, I mean, I, it's probably been about 15 years since I've seen it, but I can very safely say no. It's, it, it's certainly not. There is actually a fifth Jaws movie that nobody knows about. It's Italian. It's unofficial, but they called it Jaws 5, so it's in Oh, there. boy. I bet the, the Italian Jaws has got to be great. That's, it's, that's one thing that I think is like, you know, the pinnacle of world cinema. It's Italian exploitation <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's not fair because there's a lot of great Italian exploitation movies, but like Italian ripoffs of other movies tend to like Italian Mad Max ripoffs tend to be like the worst shit in the fucking world uh, in my. Oh, opinion. I haven't seen any of those. I, I, do you have any recommendations as far as oh, uh, the Mad my, Max ripoffs? Uh, no, because like Italian Mad Max ripoffs are, are awful. Um, I mean, like Project Metal Storm. uh the new gladiators. I mean, escape from the Bronx is pretty cool. I mean like that. I don't know. Like in general, my problem with Italian Mad Max ripoffs is that it's just people fucking around in the, in the desert. Um, the lighting is usually really bad. They do that weird overdubbing thing that Italian movies do so that they don't have to shoot sound on location. Um, the stupidest thing in the world. I, I oh couldn't watch God. any Italian films at all up until maybe about, 10 years ago, just because that rendered it completely inaccessible to me. And only recently because of like Giallo films, getting into that and watching Suspiria, I was able to like build up a tolerance to that. Uh, it's, it's especially bad in like, um, have you ever seen Andy Warhol's Dracula? No, I, I haven't. I've heard, you know, I've, I've read about it, but I have not seen it personally. Oh, it's, it, you know what? That, that's actually probably one of the most charming versions of that where they filmed the whole movie in Italy but it was like an English production they had Udo Kier as Dracula and the whole gimmick of that movie is he has to drink virgin blood but they have these Italian actors who are dubbed by like people from New York and one of the guys has like a very thick Brooklyn accent even though it's supposed to be like Transylvania Hell yeah. um and uh, this guy just keeps raping all the women. So Dracula then goes and drinks their blood, thinking he's getting nice, pure virgin blood. And uh, <laughs> that ain't going to do it. So he just winds up vomiting in a tub. He's vomiting blood in the tub for like a, a good third of the movie, just suffering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I got to see that now. I, you, you, um, really, you got to watch the trailer. It's, very, it's a very charming, great, uh, funny movie. 
But um, any, anyhow, we're talking about uh, Italians. We're talking about Jaws. We're talking about House. Um, I well, I, I saw it yesterday, and I and I honestly didn't remember the soundtrack being as good. Oh, the soundtrack is the best. It's so good. It it drives the movie really well, and it just adds an extra layer of this fever dream that this movie feels like. Uh, because it, it's it, it doesn't have the structure. Of, I mean, I, I guess it kind of has the structure of a regular movie, but it's just crazy from beginning to end. And if you miss a little bit of it, it like it, it's one of those movies where you have to sit and actually watch everything just to to grasp all the craziness they're throwing at you on the screen. Uh, but I I was actually looking for places to see if I could buy that soundtrack because I enjoyed listening to just the music so much besides, you know, the, the, the visuals. Yeah. That, that's a movie yeah. that's really firing on all cylinders creatively where they're just taking very different approaches to filmmaking and what that meant, I guess in 1977 and it, to have that kind of like poppy. I don't, I don't know if the band is American or if they're English, uh, but they handled the soundtrack, and it's very enjoyable to listen to, And just to echo what you said. I wish I had more to say about House. I mean, it's honestly been a couple of years since I saw it. Uh, I did get to see it in a theater, which was, was cool, um, because they did a premiere of it uh, here at the Alamo Draft House in, in Austin before I, I left for New York. Very and nice. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hell of a fucking experience. And I love that the special effects are sort of purposely designed to look unrealistic, that it's like a... Uh, it's more about creating an aesthetic than it is about convincing you that what's happening is real, which is something that you see in Japanese special effects in general. And I think it's just like, you know, there's nothing like it in terms of the pacing and the, and the, the editing, uh, because it does have that influence from commercials where like every individual see, like it's almost these like micro bursts of like super bizarre imagery. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful film. I went to go see this when it was uh, playing at a, re a revival theater in Boston called The Brattle, and they had an original 35-millimeter print. And I remember it was all damaged. It was all messed up. It wound up stopping like halfway through the movie, and we had to sit in the theater for an hour <laughs> as they as they repaired oh, that and oh, got it rolling again. Uh, that's terrible. Yeah. This yeah, movie the, was uh, released. It was, it was what, a double feature actually... with a romance film. Really? Originally, what? yeah. Oh, when, when it was released. It was a double mm -hmm. feature. Uh, pure Hearts and I, Mud. I haven't uh, heard anything about that. I think my favorite thing about this movie, and that's something you don't really see that much nowadays unless you're talking about very independent uh, movies like uh, something like The Greasy Strangler or something like that. <laughs> but there's something about this movie that, that uh, I really like is that the, it feels like they're just saying, you know, if you think this is crazy or if you think you or if you don't like this, fuck you. We don't care. We're just going to show you whatever crazy shit we want to show you and hopefully you'll enjoy it, but if not, then we don't really care about who this is for or at least that's how it feels like to me because uh it's very much a, a product of the person that made it and I guess that's why there's not really anything else like it uh up until now or at least that I know uh of uh because the the most directors don't really have that liberty of being able to just do whatever the fuck they want, and I know nothing about the director for this movie, so I'm just uh, assuming that that's what he did because of what's shown on screen. Um, nothing makes sense, or a lot of the things that they show you don't make any sense, but they work just because they're in this fucking universe that he's created. Where you know, if you think something's ridiculous, fuck it. This is just the world that's in, and I don't know if if uh, a director has the power or. 
any studio will trust a director with a vision like that to make a movie like that nowadays that will be you know released widely uh instead of just being you know an independent movie that no one's watching I think it would depend on the studio. I don't think you'll ever see that with a major studio like Warner Brothers or, or obviously Disney is completely risk averse in, in every capacity. But if you take a look at one of the smaller studios like, uh, you know, we've talked about Cine State a ton. And uh, what, what is Elijah Wood's company? Spectre Vision. They put out Mandy. So I don't I don't think it's impossible for a movie like this or, or something as explorative uh, as house to be made in this day and age and also get like a theatrical release. It would probably have to primarily make mm. its money back on streaming, but yeah, I, I think it's probably streaming is the, is the future for films like this. I mean, and, yeah, and, and what you're talking about, it's like house is the exact antithesis of like the big budget hyper bland film in that it is mm-hmm. just this, like, it doesn't give a fuck if you don't like it, it's doing its thing. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the only couple is in the movie is the parents that we barely see. So there's not even like, you know, the love angle that you always need to have so that people can relate to it. There's not a couple. There's nothing like that. It's just craziness. It's just, hey, welcome to this world that we created and just sit down and enjoy all the craziness we're going to throw at your face. And that's very refreshing uh, on the you know sanitized times that we're currently living in. Yeah. And, and it's movie, also movie like... Voice. Yeah, I mean the the it's also like it's very un uh, it's uh like like it's about creating an experience. It's about creating a, a particular like weird aesthetic, and it's about surprising the audience continually. And it's just got that like crazy pace to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I, I really can't think of anything that is like a good direct comparison to that. Like I said, with the exception of like maybe. Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, or like Branded to Kill that Seijin Suzuki made in the in the sixties, like you know, and it, it should be said that like Toho was, you know, like we were saying at the beginning, it was the Disney of its day, the Japanese Disney of its day. But even within that, like there there was a tremendous amount of latitude apparently because like you know a bunch of of weird auteuri movies came out of the Japanese film industry in the middle of the twentieth century and and continue to come out now. So like, you know, outside of that huge corporate structure, I think that there is like, there's always going to be an opportunity to make something like totally unique and visually inventive. Uh, I just, you know, I really don't think it's going to be in the, in the theaters going forward. No. And and we have talked about it tons of times in the past, but the reality is that I do think in order to get at least like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like, just a more enriching experience with film you're going to have to start looking towards those smaller distributors uh, that aren't as afraid to, or maybe identify the fact that there is money to be made in niche markets instead of just making a totally benign product that is accessible to everybody. Uh, as far as Obiashi and House goes, I haven't been able to come up with a good one-to-one comparison of maybe a, a filmmaker or a movie that echoes the the similarities visually of this film. But... Um, I, I was thinking that, have you guys seen the illustrations of uh, Junji Ito? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel like there might be something to his style that feels similar, like a cousin to many of the visual aspects of this movie. And then I think an obvious one, I think you would mention the Greasy Strangler earlier. But really, if you go take a look at earlier Tim and Eric, that has also okay. just like this similar aesthetic vibe to a lot of house in the 
the green screening chroma key components and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't really see a, a good direct thing where there's another film that has this kind of essence to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very unique picture. Um, and, you know, it's the, the tragedy of all this is that it's like, you know, House is fun to watch on uh, on home video, but it really is like it's elevated by being a theater experience. You know, the Definitely. soundtrack is amazing. You're surrounded with the with the sound. Um, the visuals are so overpowering. It's like it is one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had in my in my life watching this movie. And the fact that the theater experience for me has become so like onerous and boring and aggravating. It's like a real tragedy because there is something that you lose when you're, you know, like as much as I love home video, you know, and, and, you know, I have a decent sized TV now that I inherited and then, you know, I like watching shit on the Blu-ray, but uh, you do lose something when you're not having that, you know, communal total sensory deprivation experience of the theater. And it, it is a little sad thinking about a, a, a new house, if it were to come out, being relegated to streaming, being something that you would, you know basically only watch on a television or a screen. Um, I think that's a little depressing. Is there anything else we can really say about this movie or Obayashi as a filmmaker? I'm very familiar with his other work, to be honest. Well, I mean, he, he just kind of toys with like the same tools with his 80s films. There's one particular one called the, uh, I think, it, well, it has multiple titles due to, you know, translations and being rough. And I think they're just... I, I, actually, that reminded me about uh, Sword of Doom is not the actual Japanese title to that movie. It's something like whatever the lead title it's character's it, journey. It's, or so. Yeah. No, it's Daibusotsu Toge. It's the, the great Buddha Pass. Yeah. It's the same, same title as the novel. So there was, a, there was a movie, I think, released in 1981 called The Little Girl Who Conquered Time. And it's basically wow. about this... This girl who goes back and forth in time and does... You know, something weird about Obayashi's filmography in general, too, is he has a lot of body swap films. A lot of body swap... I mean, he I think he might have remade the same manga twice. And there's an emphasis on, like, checking out your boobs for the first time. Quite a <laughs> bit, many times throughout. He's, he's big on that stuff. I don't know. And um, The Little Girl Who Conquered Time has similar aspects to the flashback sequences in house uh, but on the whole it's a pretty straightforward movie like i said before drifting classroom is probably the closest example of a spiritual sequel to this movie where there are so many elements that carry over into that and it's very hard to find like a good high definition copy of really any of his films but there is a bootleg vendor on instagram that i go to who sold me five of his movies on on one blu-ray disc uh and his name is escaping me at the moment but I I would definitely check out Drifting Classroom if House is uh you know of your taste or, or preference. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see it. I I haven't seen any other Obayashi films, so you know it's it's you you guys are giving me some good homework uh, on this podcast. And he's still working. He's like 90 years old, and I believe he had a movie come out this past year. But I mean, isn't who it, knows what the quality of that oh, is? Oh, isn't Obayashi the hot dog guy? The hot dog guy. Yeah, the guy that eats hot dogs, a lot of them. And he's little Asian man that eats hot dogs. Yes, every Obayashi is the same. A little known fact about Japan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I wanted to get through. <laughs> that, that, was, that was my closing comment. <laughs> That's great. Um, I mean, we should probably just put a pin in the show there, I think. 
<laughs> okay, I I just got it. I just got it. Yeah. There was a there was a time time delayed thing there. <laughs> all right. Uh that has been movies for this episode. It seemed a little over the all over the map, kind of scattershot, but that's okay. That's what people seem to like nowadays. Uh Don Jolly, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And you know, I'm looking forward to the next uh comfort systems, you know. Fucking keep keep up the good work, guys. 